ungrateful for each one for all the times I could not see that your hand was holding me I thank you Lord I thank you Lord I thank you
praise you, Lord. Yes, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Bless your wonderful name. We bless your wonderful name. We praise and we honor you this morning, Father. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> you, can, you can heal from sin set free. You have brought light to my soul. Give me peace and joy untold. I have confidence, dear Lord, in Thee. I have confidence, dear Lord, in Thee. You can heal, you can heal from sin set free. Give me peace and joy untold. I have confidence, dear Lord, in I have confidence, dear Lord, in Thee. You can heal from sin set free. You have brought life to my soul. Give me peace and joy untold. I have confidence, dear Lord, in Thee. I have confidence, dear Lord, in Heal from sin set free. Your power is great. Sin's power to break. You're all I need, Lord. You're so divine. so divine, Lord, and you are mine. Yes, we praise your name. You're all I need, Lord, since far to pray. You're all I need, Lord. You're so divine. all pray. Father, we thank you this morning that we can sing these songs in praise and honor to your name. Indeed, in a time like the days we're living in, you're all we need to solve our problems, to heal our spiritual maladies and forgive our sins, and to heal our bodies physically. And so today, Father, we give you thanks Sometimes we don't understand everything, but Father, we praise you that you can touch our minds and we can have confidence and faith in you. Bless this service today, and we also remember, Lord, those that are not well. We bring Premini one more time before you, Lord, and we pray that, Lord, if it is your will that you'll touch her, raise her up out of that bed of affliction. Strengthen the family, we pray. Lord, we also pray for every church and every saint in this fellowship, those around us, 
and those who are overseas who are infected by this, um, this uh, pestilence, Lord, this disease that's going around. We pray, O oh God, that you will have mercy on your people. Cleanse us, forgive us, O oh Father, and give us a great day in your house today. We commit our local church before you, and we pray that, Father, you will undertake in every one of our lives. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen and amen. Well, we're, it's a privilege to talk to you. Um, most of you are invisible to me. I don't see you. I don't know where you are. I don't know if you're watching. I don't know if you're sitting in your living room in your pajamas. I don't know if you have pop, popcorn all popped and ready to follow. I don't know what you're doing. And that is why I really believe in literal church. I believe in seeing the folks like I'm seeing some folks here today. And I wish all the elders of this church will show up for these services. We have restricted our assembly to as much as possible to see if we can remain 10 or less. And we have also restricted individuals coming out to these services that have to travel on the subway or buses to take public transportation. Is it that we don't have faith? No, we have faith. But sometimes we have more talk than we have faith. Uh, if you were not following us last night in the message, then it would, be, it would be good for you to go back and check online and find that lesson last night that we dealt with. And we talk about uh, a beautiful scripture. And I think maybe I'll start there. But before I get into 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, I want to mention a few things today. As, as a pastor, I wish I knew what would be God's next move. I wish I knew what would happen next week. And sometimes God in his mercy give us an indication. And I stand and without even realizing it, I might make a statement that I myself don't know uh, where it came from until I find out that it gets fulfilled. Now, that's the grace of God, not because I'm a prophet and I just encountered God in this mighty experience. No, it's sometimes I think it looks like a fluke. Is that the right word? Fluke. It looks like a fluke. I just pick up something and say it. But you know, a lot of times it's the grace of God that helps us uh, to say things that come to pass. I'm glad for men in the past like like Jeremiah that can predict the future, that can talk about things that will happen. He told Israel that. He told Israel that Nebuchadnezzar will come down and besiege the city and take away captives into Babylon. He told them. And though there were other men that challenged what Jeremiah said, his words came to pass. But you know, there came a time when Jeremiah himself was not sure if he was correct. Because in the 28th chapter of uh, the book of Jeremiah, and I probably get there today, I got two scriptures in mind. But right now, I'm looking at Jeremiah, open my Bible, and there it goes right to the book of Jeremiah. And Jeremiah, the 28th chapter, and while you're finding that, uh, we have to consider uh, the world we're living in and I'm trying to use the word pandemic-less and use the word pestilence a little bit 
more. Uh, is it the, uh, the 20, 28th chapter? So you find that and then listen to me. Uh, here we have a prophet called Jeremiah, and sometimes Isaiah was there, he doing the work of God, and sometimes he prophesied. Isaiah prophesied about the virgin birth. He prophesied about Jesus' coming. He prophesied about the kingdom of God. And that is wonderful to know that a prophet can do these things and prophesy. But sometimes the prophet himself might not understand what's about to happen. And uh, even the prophets that prophesy concerning the kingdom of God, you take them out from where they were uh, two, three, four, five thousand years ago and bring them and drop them into the present day world. They're not sure what their prophecy really said. Because we're living in a different time. I remember when Samuel the prophet was sent to the house of Jesse. And he went on in, and he was a man of God. But he went on in to the house of Jesse. And uh, he, the Lord said, go to the house of Jesse and anoint a king over Israel. And this mighty good man of God, dedicated man of God went in there. But the Lord did not tell him which one of the sons. And so can you imagine this man of God walking into the house of Jesse and he's looking at all these big strong sons uh, standing before him. If he was looking for a king, I think he's going to look for the eldest one, the strongest one, the one that's got some polished uh, attitudes about him, that one that looks well dressed, looks like a king. And he chose and he chose the wrong one. And he chose again, and it was the wrong one. And the Lord had to tell Samuel that he says, Man looketh at the outward appearance, but God looketh at the heart. Now, it would have been nice if the Lord told Samuel who the son was. But they had all these boys, I think it were seven sons, of Jesse passed in front of Samuel, and the Lord did not give him that inward consolation that this was the boy. And when it was done, uh, for a moment, Samuel wondered if the Lord was really speaking to him. And so he paused and he said to Jesse, he says, is there any other son? And so, yes, they got one that does not look like a king, but he's out tending the sheep. His name is David. And he said, send and bring that one. And when they brought in David, David was the one that God wanted. Now, it would have been nice if the Lord told the apostles in Jerusalem that he had chosen Saul, who was a killer of Christians and imprisoned Christians, that God told Peter and James and John that this man was chosen, but the Lord did not tell them. Uh, the Lord told Paul, uh, who was then Saul, that he was chosen. The Lord told Ananias that he was chosen. And Barnabas was lucky enough to encounter Paul. But when he went into Jerusalem, the saints did not trust him. Because God did not tell them. And a lot of times, um, a prophecy might come up and the, even the prophet does not understand the details of the prophecy. Daniel had visions and uh, some of the remarkable visions. And he was a man of renown. Daniel was a man that understood a lot of things. But when Daniel had uh, coming to the end of the, the book of Daniel, he says, Lord, when shall these things happen? And the Lord says, why don't you just close the book and seal it up? 
Not for you to know. But I had the vision. Yes, I know. Not for you to know. And it was the same Daniel that when Nebuchadnezzar had a dream and did not even tell anyone about the dream, Daniel, God showed him what the dream was. And so today, what am I saying all of this? I'm saying all of this because today, I wish we preachers, we preachers, myself included, we're not so exalted and so cocky in our spirits and so proud and feel like we've got everything. No, we don't have everything. We do not have enough of the power of God. And when I'm thinking of this epidemic, I'm thinking of this pestilence that's hitting the world, we are like immobilized. The church is immobilized. And so I asked Nadine yesterday to check a few records and you go on, on the, you Google, you know Google uh, knows more about a lot of things than some of us know. And then Google can also lead you astray. And so she went and she Googled something that I wanted to find out. Because uh, we think of a Christian nation like America, United States of America, that today there are a total infected case of over 11 million infected cases in the Christian nation called the United States of America. And then the death total, 200 and over 251,000 individuals die. And somebody said, well, this is no, there's no virus. You know, when a person said there is no virus and there is nothing to worry about, that's an idiot. And I have no apology. And then when you look at all the countries and you go down on the world scale of all the countries, a country like Taiwan, that is basically pagan, that basically does not serve God, that has all pagan traditions and customs, they have a total case of 602. You ever saw something made in Taiwan? A <laughs> very industrial place. Uh, they should have more than that. And total deaths to date, seven. Cambodia, bad place. You want drugs and some of these things, you want to get killed. Cambodia, total 302. Total deaths, zero. So, is it that we got to be a Christian for God to recognize us or... Uh, it just happened that the judgment of God is hitting the world. And why are some people not getting it so serious and some people are getting it serious? Well, the prophets today, and I wish we had an understanding. I feel I have a prophetic mission, ministry. I feel I have the approach and things like that, like a prophet. But on a one, 1 to 10 scale of being a prophet, I think I'm probably 0.5 of 1%. Because unless God by his mercy touches my mind, I can't see beyond a certain point. And sometimes I would sit down and I know God is touching my mind. I know God is giving me a message, but I wish I knew more. Then there are times when it's best you don't know. 
And for the child of God, it is best sometimes that we don't know what will happen tomorrow. See, faith is not developed on what I know is going to happen tomorrow. Faith is challenged when what happens tomorrow catches me unaware. It's my faith being tried. And this is important. A man like Jeremiah prophesied, and when he prophesied here in chapter 28 of Jeremiah, I came to pass that the same year in the beginning of the year of Zedekiah king of Judah, in the fourth year and in the fifth month, that Hanani, the son of Azur, the prophet, which was at uh, Gibeon, spake to me in the house of the Lord. Now here is Jeremiah went into the temple, into the house of the Lord, and he's there, and Jeremiah was telling the people that Nebuchadnezzar, God gave him a message, and he says, the Lord has given me a message that Nebuchadnezzar will come and besiege Jerusalem. And you know from history that Nebuchadnezzar did not only besiege it one time, he did three times besieging Jerusalem and taken away from the, from the uh, temple all the golden vessels. He besieged God's city. He conquered Jerusalem. At that time, Jerry, Nebuchadnezzar was not a religious man. He was just an exalted, ignorant man. But he, God, had chosen Nebuchadnezzar to save him. At that point, he was being used by God to judge God's people. And God will always judge his people for the child of God, for the elect. Judgment is, is formed in a word called chastisement to save us, to cleanse us, to purge us. For the ungodly, it's called wrath. Well, here is Jeremiah in the house of God, and he is a prophet. You see, a preacher does not know everything, and today, because our heads are full of knowledge, we feel we know it all. No, we don't. I would say of the people I lay my hands and pray for, I'm going to be honest with you. If I have 10 people line up before me and they're all cripples, I would ask Brother Sam and Brother John to pray for them because I don't have any faith that I, any would heal because my track record, even though I've seen miracles happen, that puts me in a bad situation. So when Brother Sam and Brother John pray for them and it, none of them, they bring their wheelchair in and they roll it back out, it means that they don't have the power of God but nobody knows that I don't have it either. So I'm covering up. But guess what? You don't need to cover up. We need to face the facts. We need to see this thing for what it is. And figure out why these ungodly nations don't have as much as we hear the godly people that have it. Is it because we are a little bit presumptuous? Is it because we take things for granted and we use the name Jesus and hope that name is going to protect us when in reality... We are not living up to the standards that demands that protection. 
He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. But we must first dwell in the secret place of the Most High. It's not the amount of prayer meetings we have that we need today. I mean, I believe in prayer more than anything else. But it's what, when we finish praying, what we do to change our lifestyle that I'm concerned about. And in today's world, if there is a truck coming across the road and the heathen man says, I'm not going to stand there, it's going to hit me. But the child of God walks in front of the truck and says, Yea, though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. The child of God is presumptuous and he would get killed while the ungodly man runs from the evil and hides himself. Presumptuousness is a sin. And in today's world, and that is why we look like a parsley occupied church today because I close the church down to a certain extent and I stop individuals coming that are far out. I stop seniors coming, children coming into the church. I put this out, big old blanket out and says we don't need everybody coming in, those close by. Yet at the same time, I already instructed those at the door that if somebody comes that don't even know we close it down because they're not really following us too close, uh, but they want to come on in, let them in, because we can accommodate as much as 50 people. Why do you then stop the church? Because in this church, if you don't have a mask, you're not coming in that door. In this church. In this church, if you don't have a mask, and if you're not running a temperature, no, the brother is at the door, and he will check your temperature, if you got a fever, we'll send you back home. When you come in there, if you don't have a mask, Brother Joe is sitting at the door today. He's got a box with masks. He'll give you one, a medical mask. He wouldn't give you a designer's mask. He'll give you a medical mask, uh, which is the safest to wear. Uh, he'll give you one. You'll wear it. If you say, well, I don't want a mask, then you don't come on in. That's the principle. See, that's the principle. I'm a child of God, and God will protect me, but not if I go for prayer because I have clogged arteries. But I, God knows that when I'm finished, I'll be heading out to the junk food place and load up on junk food. God would not heal me. If I'm the responsible for clogging my arteries, God would not heal me. You see, we've got to take a sense of responsibility. Whether it's training your children or it's accommodating things in your home, if you choose to accommodate evil and you choose to sow to the flesh, you shall of the flesh reap corruption. And the concept of sowing to the flesh is very technical and very difficult to understand because you might misunderstand and think you're singing religious songs and you're dancing in the spirit and you're having a really good Holy Ghost time and when the Holy Ghost is not even there. You can think you're sowing in the spirit, but really you're sowing in the flesh. And so today, this little talk to you, I hope that God will help us with it because Jeremiah, in the house of the Lord, this prophet went on in and he was already telling the people about judgment 
But Hananiah challenged this man in the house of the Lord. Not everyone who stands up to preach in church is called of God. Listen to the message last night. If the man occupying the pulpit is not called of God, his word will eat your soul as does a canker. He will destroy you. Preaching the word of God, sort of. Hamanius and Philetus do err, teaching that the resurrection is past, and they overthrew the faith of some. Their word will eat as doth a canker. In the house of God, yes, in the house of God. And Hananiah challenged Jeremiah in the house of God. He says, uh, he says uh, and this is so important. He said in verse 2, he challenged Jeremiah in the last part of verse 1. He and I, the son of Azur, the prophet, which was at Gibeon, which was of Gibeon, spake unto me in the house of the Lord. Jeremiah's writing here, in the presence of the priests, they had like a convention or something. So in the presence of the priests and of all the people, in the presence of all the people, the congregation is loaded up. The priests are there. All the ministers are sitting on one side. And Jeremiah is the oddball. He dared to say that they need the, the genuine Holy Ghost. He dared, and Jeremiah dared, dared to be the oddball because he's not saying what everybody else is saying. But he was the only genuine man in that church today. When John the Baptist came, it was the same thing. He was not the norm in religion. Even though he was the son of a priest, he, was, he showed up wearing camel's hair. Instead of a white linen gown. He ate bugs and wild honey. He was never trained in the institution of the Pharisee or the Sadducees of that time. But the Bible says there was a man sent from God and his name was John. There are many, many men sent but not by God. And it is important in our day whether you listen to me. And I said last night in the message, I said if I'm not called of God, you best run out of here and find a man that's called of God. But if I'm called of God, don't challenge what I say. God will judge you. Why am I preaching here? Because I feel I'm called of God. Amen. But you know how many men feel they're called of God and are not called of God. And so today is a day of examination. And so listen to me carefully. Not every man that preaches is called of God. But a good one used to say a preacher is a dime a dozen. Well, it went up. Uh, you can get a preacher cheaper today than a dime a dozen. And he goes on here. He said, verse 2. Man says, thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. You can imagine the tone that Hananiah took. And some people change their voice when they want to prophesy. Some preachers put on a preacher's voice. Some people put a sanctimonious voice. I'm glad in this church we all maintain our voice. I have a problem with mine, so I'd always have to keep a candy in my mouth because years of using, I'd cough. 
And Brother Joe, I'm so glad he goes and sees every little cough he can eliminate from the message after it's done. And he tries to find if he can eliminate the coughing. Because I cough, I clear my throat all the time. But Jeremiah, and that's what a lot of preachers do. Jeremiah is standing there and he and I put on this spiritual voice. I'm imagining this is what happened. Because you've got to impress the people. You can't just say, that said the Lord. No. You've got to put a hoarse voice. Well, praise God, brother. Hallelujah. Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts. Hallelujah. The Lord, the God of Israel saying, He says, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. This was false information. But people love false information. Hypocrites love to be told they're righteous. People love not to be hearing strong messages. Jeremiah was called to preach a very strong message. He was a prophet. He was not there to pamper the hypocrisy of the individuals listening to him. God gave him a message. He preached the message. He didn't modify his message. He didn't alter the words. He did not sort of make polish. He didn't put chocolate coat, coated messages to the people. He said, Nebuchadnezzar will come and take you all into captivity. But if you read the rest of this chapter, you'll find that Hananiah, he is telling the people and the people believed in Hananiah. And when the amens and the congregation got so loud, this man had the gall to walk over to Jeremiah and Jeremiah had a wooden yoke that God allowed him to wear. John the Baptist had a camel's hair. Jeremiah had a wooden yoke. There's some things God do with preachers that he call that is out of the norm to keep them humble. And this man walked over after the people are giving him all that amen and support. And he took the yoke, the wooden yoke of Jer Jeremiah's neck. How presumptuous can a man be? That God never called, that felt he got called. Walks over to a man that God has called and break the yoke off his neck that God allowed him to have. And when you understand these things, sometimes we don't. As preachers, we don't really understand. But I think today, I'd like to say, and if any pastor listens to this message, here's a little advice I'd like to give you. If you're a pastor... The people's lives are in your hand. During this epidemic, during this pestilence, make sure that you have the power of God working in the church. And if you're honest with yourself, try it out on the sickest person and see if you can heal them. It's not how much you shake or how much you tremble your voice. Or how much you shake the person you're praying with. It's how much the after results shows deliverance and healing. And we have to be careful because we're not as protected as we think we are. And the reason why a pagan country can have so less virus is because they took the matter early.
in hand. They decided, hey, a virus is coming. Everyone must wear a mask. Everyone must maintain social distance. Everyone must wash their hands and sterilize. Now the ungodly man that does not even know how to say hallelujah and does not even know how to do a jig, he did that and his country got saved. The godly man that is calling God, 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 say, well, God will protect. And God will protect if we are walking right. But in our present day society, we are contaminated with the ways of Babylon. And because we are contaminated with all kinds of pagan customs and false religion, God had to move on in. And it, I don't expect the ungodly people out there to change. I expect God's people to make some adjustments in their lives. This here is for us, you and I, to bring ourselves in, in obedience to God. Don't find a reason not to serve God. Find a reason to serve God. And sometimes you might not understand. And that is what we talked about last night. And I don't want to get back into that because I'm looking at my time. Brother Sam has a young people's meeting at 12 o'clock. Right? And I'd like to see how best we can finish with this here today. And so, last night, I, I don't want you to turn, but I will turn into 2 Corinthians chapter, uh, chapter 4, where we touched on last night, where uh, Paul... Uh, sometimes you don't understand everything. You don't understand all that God is doing. But well, Paul says here we have a treasure in an earthen vessel. And that's why I told Nadine, I love that song. We have, I have confidence, dear God, in thee. See, I have confidence in God. Not because I'm righteous. My prayer life is not to get God jumping and running. If God wants brother X dead... You can fast and pray and stand on your one foot and turn over on your head. God wants him dead. He'll be dead. Just pray that the mercy of God and the will of God be accomplished. Don't discourage yourself. I remember one time when I was a young man. I stood near to a great man and he was a great man. And he's still a great man in those days. And he was praying for a young boy who had cancer. And he knelt down and he was praying and I'm just a young man, not married, I'm single. Uh, they're zealous of the things of God, not like the kids today. I was zealous about the things of God and this brother stood on his knees. He got on his knees and he said, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you'll heal this young man of his cancer. And Lord, if you don't heal him, I'll throw my Bible away. And God did not heal the boy. God is not to jump when you holler froggy. God is God. We're to submit to God, not God submitting to us. If my people which are called by my name, humble yourselves and pray and seek my face, then God will make the difference. And so when God starts to work in your life, you develop a confidence in God. Where is Paul? Dead. Where is Jeremiah? Dead. Where is Isaiah? Dead. Where is Peter? Dead. Where is Brother Souders? Dead. Where is Brother Jolly? Dead. Where is Brother Goodwin? Dead. And one day, in the near, in the not so distant future, 
He would say, where is Brother Singh? And guess what the answer would be? Dead. Because we're not here to live forever. But when we die, it's not the end. Jesus said, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. A lot of people don't even know what that scripture means. It means I'm building my church. The church is not the building. The church is not a big crowd of people gathered. The church are those elect that form this body of Christ. Elect. You might have a hundred people in your church. But for the first resurrection, there are some, maybe five of those, are des destined for the first resurrection. He said, I will build my church in the gates of hell. And the word for hell there, and I'm not a Greek scholar or a Hebrew scholar, but it was uh, from a Hebrew word called Sheol, which means the grave. The gates to the grave, which is death, shall not prevail against the church. But has it, <coughs> has it prevailed against the church so far? <coughs> yes. The gates of hell has prevailed against the church. Peter died, even though Jesus told him that. He died, the gates of hell prevailed at that point. But it will not prevail because there is coming a resurrection. In God's mind, the gates of hell will not prevail because at the resurrection, God will have all of these overcomers resurrect and rule to rule and reign with Christ. For a thousand years. And the world and the evil of this world would be pushed aside. And evil will be eliminated permanently. The gates of hell will not forever prevail against the church. Uh, when Paul was writing he says at that day we will turn back and say. At the resurrection day we'll turn back and say. Oh death where is thy sting? And oh grave where is thy victory? Today there is a sting. Death has a sting. One day, my wife is going to die. One day, I'm going to die. One day, Nadine is going to die. One day, you're going to die. Death has a sting. But because of the resurrection, it will not prevail permanently over us. At that day, we will turn back when God resurrects us. And we look at the grave and says, Oh death, where is thy sting? And oh grave, where is thy victory? We don't understand everything at this point in time. And so Paul says here, he says, we've got this confidence, this Holy Ghost, this salvation, this earthen vessel, this frail thing that's going to die someday, uh, that is full of arthritis and diabetes and blood pressure and lumbago and you name it, cancer and all kinds of things. This old earthen vessel has a treasure inside. It's a treasure in an earthen vessel. And because it is there... It says we are troubled, Paul says, on every side, but not distressed. I look to the right, trouble, 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 trouble. But I'm not distressed because there's a confidence I have in God. He says we are troubled on every side, but not distressed. We're perplexed. I really don't know why God took this young child at an early age. God knows. I don't know. Maybe that child would have turned out to be an, an adult Hitler. In his period of time. God saved the world from an extreme situation. Why did Stephen die? Stephen died because he had reached the place. That God had perfected him. Why am I not dying? Because you have not reached that place yet. When you reach that place. It will happen. And so we look at this. It says. 
Uh, he says, um, uh, perplexed. Not sure. What is he doing? But not in despair. I chop my hands. I really don't know what God's doing. No, no. Have some confidence in God. Have confidence in God. Don't only sing about it. Have it. Develop it. It's a good thing. Though you're, you're not tossed to and fro by wind of perplexities and all kinds of evils. You're firmly built upon the solid rock. Amen? When he goes on here, he says, uh, always says, um, persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. You know why? Because I have this confidence. I want to turn your attention to one area of scripture before we bring this uh, lesson to a close. And it's in Psalms, sorry, Proverbs 27. Proverbs 27, and I've got 10 minutes to go. So let's follow with me here. Beautiful Proverbs. And this morning, I sat there and I was looking at this Proverbs because I was just looking for one scripture. Uh, one scripture, the verse I really was looking for is verse 12. It says, a prudent man, a prudent man, foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. See, we heard there was going to be a rainstorm. We heard there's going to be so much of rain today that there might be possibility of flooding. So we try to use some prudence. I went to Lowe's hardware store and bought me some PVC pipes. Three inch. Came down and this east trough that we have on my left side here can flood that area and leak into the basement. So I told Brother Joe, I said, I got some PVC pipe and some fittings. So we came yesterday and we fitted up that the water is shifted away from the building. A prudent man foresee the possibility of evil and hides himself. The one says, well, well, you know, it's not going to happen. God is in control. You know, it's, sometimes it's good when God is in control and sometimes it's not the nicest thing when God is in control. When God is in control, sometimes he gives you an accident because you're stubborn. So I looked at the scripture. It said, a prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. A simple or a person that take things for granted. You know, I'm going <clears> to, <throat> I can't go out in the street. There's a lion out there. I think there is going to be a lion. I can't go this way because I know it's not going to be good for me. Come on, child of God, have some confidence in God. Let God give you the wisdom, foresee the evil, and hide yourself. I told this church some uh, weeks ago that if you're a working saint, put some money away so you can pay your rent for about three months. Make sure you put that away. Ease up on the hamburgers and the junk food and the non-essentials and put some money away. So you can still pay the bills even if you lose your job. That was prudence. That was good advice. Now is not a time to buy non-essentials. Now is a time to buy essentials. Because you don't know and I don't know when this pestilence will go away. And right now it's spiking in our neighborhood. 
but it's spiking all around the world, except those people that took advantage of the situation and protected themselves early. Now I went and checked these things out because these people took precaution early. Well, you know what I'm saying? I'm 80 years old now, and the doctor says my bones are brittle, so I'm going to drink five calcium pills every day. Guess what, my friend? Too old. Too late in the day. I was told when I was growing up what the rain does not fill, the dew cannot accomplish. What the rain does not fill, the little dew would not accomplish that. In other words, don't wait for things to happen. But Voris used to say, he says, some people look at things happening. Some people, no, he says, some people make things happen. That's a genuine Christian. That's a prudent Christian. Some people look at things happening. They're a standby looker. And some people don't even know what's happening. You'll be surprised to know how a lot of people don't even know what we're doing here in church today. We need to be aggressive children of God. We make things happen. We don't wait. The prudent man forsaketh the evil and hideth himself. How much I got? Eight minutes, seven minutes to go. Seven minutes to go. And so it says here, he passed, simple pass on and are punished. Sometimes we're not punished because God's evil. Sometimes we're punished because of presumptuousness and our stupidity and our lethargy and our lack of taking on the initiative. So anyone coming into this church wear a mask. I'm not wearing one because I'm preaching. But I got almost a dozen sitting with me. I've got one sitting down here. And if you come after church to talk to me, I'll try to slip one on quickly. Because we want to follow the principle. Brother saying, do you, are you afraid? Absolutely not. Every year at, in October, I normally take a flu shot. This year, they advised that everybody should get the flu shot, but the lineup is so long. I said, man, I'm wearing a mask, and I got to trust God. I don't want to join 100 sinners, line up for a, for a flu shot. I'm going to wait. I called my doctor. I said, when you get one, call me. He said, sure, he'll send a message to me. Normally, October, I take it, but this year, because of COVID, Mr. COVID-19, Everybody, they don't even believe in it, is hustling for it. Listen, I'm not afraid to trust him, for he's on my side. Beautiful song. Solomon says here, and you got to read this when you go home. Verse 1, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day might bring forth. Don't sit down and boast up yourself about tomorrow. You don't know what a day might bring forth. Verse 2, let another person praise thee. Don't walk around and try to praise yourself. Let somebody else praise you. You know, I want to thank all of those, all those who have sent messages on Messenger. A nice, but good paragraphs on Messenger to say how much COVID-19 has done for them. Uh, because they're listening to the messages and they're able to go over to the messages. And Brother Joe, they're listening to... Uh, getting on to Spotify, to the website, 
uh, whether it's Spotify or the Google message or they go on Anchor, uh, they're getting the message and they're listening to the messages over and over. And somebody told me last night, this person said, my life is being changed and I want to thank you for it. That's wonderful. It's not like running on a treadmill and hoping to get to Toronto. Now, this is not in vain. This is accomplishing in, uh, more than we can imagine it's accomplishing. And so he goes on here. It says, don't, let a, don't praise yourself. Let another person praise thee. Verse 5, open rebuke is better than secret love. When you get corrected from the pulpit, take it, man. Open rebuke is better than someone secretly love you. I love you. For sex, faithful are the wounds of a friend. A friend loves you, he is going to tell you where you're going wrong. Listen, you're not doing right. A friend tells you exactly what you need to know, but an enemy comes and kisses you, but you are a human being. I prefer the kisses. No. Open rebuke is better than secret love. And faithful are the wounds of a friend, and the, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. The full soul, verse 7, the full soul. You're listening to the message, but I know that scripture already. Right? Verse <laughs> You know, I'm so full. Dead and hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be full. Jesus said the full, he sent it away empty because they come full. I know that scripture. I don't really care to listen to your brother saying, listen to me. I don't really care for you to listen to, but if God has called you, you best listen to what goes over this pulpit. I don't want to be popular. No, no, no. It flies to my head, so I don't want to be popular. Makes me proud and exalted. I don't want to be. Listen, I got enough problems in my own life. I don't care to be popular. But when I preach a message, it is intended for everyone that listens to it to get saved by it. Don't say, I already know that message. No, open your heart and listen to it because when I go home, I listen to the, my own messages and it challenges my life. The one I preached last night, twice. Already listened to it. The full soul loathed the honeycomb. He is so full that a precious honeycomb is there and he don't really care because he's full. But to the hungry, even the bitter thing, are become sweet. And that's the kind of messages I get on Messenger, not from this church, but from people around the world that don't get what we get so often. They said, I'm so glad. One person says, I'm so glad to hear back these messages that I heard uh, when I was growing up as a child. And it goes on here. It says, it says, uh, <clears throat> oh, it says so many things. Uh, Thine own friend, verse 10, um, Thine own friend and thy father's friend forsake not. People that love you, don't give them up. Don't give them up. Don't give up the church that is here designed to save you. Uh, forsake not, neither go into thy brother's house in the day of calamity. Don't only rush the people when you're in trouble. For better is a neighbor that is near than a brother afar off. My son, last verse. Be wise. And make my heart glad. Children listening to these messages, these messages, here's what I'm going to say. Be wise and make Brother Singh's heart glad. 
What will make me glad? Chocolate bars? No, I don't even need the thing anymore. Um, what will make me glad? Well, good check in the mail. No, no, no. What would make me glad is what made Paul glad when I see my children change and turn from evil and change their life for the future. Good talking to you today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for another day in your house. Lord, let not these words return void unto thee, but accomplish its purpose and plan in every one of the listeners, O God, everyone following this message. It will be a blessing to them. Thank you, Lord, for family. Thank you, Lord, for friends. Thank you, Lord, for these that are faithfully listening to the word of God. More important than even natural family and friends are those that put the work of God and the word of God in priority in their lives. Let your word change our lives, we pray, Father. Help us in this time of pestilence, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen and amen. And God bless you. Thank you.